0: Here's a tip. Cuando la salsa picante del spicy crispy chicken sandwich de McDonald's cae in wrapper, se convierte en un dip para tus papitas. Esas papitas que te llevas con refresco mediano gratis al comprar cualquiera de los crispy chicken sandwiches de McDonald's por el app. Crispy, juicy, and tender. Es pollo a la McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado en el app de McDonald's. ba valido del 28 de febrero al 3 de abril del 2022. Solo McDonald's participantes de Estados Unidos. Válido una vez por semana. Se requiere descarga y registro de la aplicación de McDonald's you <music>
1: This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Sunday, June 6, 2021. And we are here to talk about the Cubs' visit to San Francisco. It did not go very well, but it could have gone worse, Brendan. The Cubs take uh, just one game in this series, salvaging the finale On Sunday, in somewhat of nail-biting fashion, but they do come away with at least one. They uh, remain now tied with the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, who just will never, never go away. Brendan, they're just never going to go away. They're never really any good, but here they are once again. uh, Both of them at 33 and 26, atop the NL Central, two and a half games ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals, who have lost five in a row. So. Uh, not a great series, but we did talk about this, Brendan, like not to be, you know, preemptively negative or pessimistic or anything, but, you know, we knew no off day heading into a seven game road trip on the West Coast, a lot of late night games against two very competitive teams in the Giants and Padres. So we knew this was going to be tough, and it was this weekend.
0: And that's why winning those series against the Dodgers and the Padres and, and sweeping them was so monumental because you get some breathing room. Like, oh, if you go to the West Coast and you do lose three out of four against the Giants, it's okay because you're still seven games above 500 and you're not even healthy yet you get nico horner back you get matt duffy back you get your guys going in the rotation it's still well within the realm of possibility that going into july you're still going to be in first place and you're going to be set up nicely for a trade acquisition or two it could be a lot worse thank god they had that winning streak and we'll see what happens maybe the maybe the west coast trip won't be as bad after all when it's all said and done
1: yeah, and a couple close games in here, so you know you, you're you're a, uh, maybe a hit or two, or a good pitch or two away from maybe a split in this series, or in Sunday's case, perhaps getting swept. That that is just how that works, but. All in all, you know, not the end of the world, uh, this series, especially with, like you said, Brendan, all of the injuries that the Cubs are dealing with. Javi Baez leaving the game on Sunday. uh, Sounds like a sore thumb. I think they said contusion. We're recording this at about 8 central on Sunday, so I think we'll get an update on that once they get to San Diego on Monday. Doesn't sound too bad, you know, hopefully just the Cubs being uh, proactive and getting him out of there if, you know, he didn't feel great after a swing or whatever, but unfortunately, another one now that we have to monitor. So that is not great. Uh, Jason Hayward did come back this weekend, as you guys saw, and Jake Marisnyk, uh should be back perhaps Monday. Uh, certainly, it sounds like in that Padres series. So that is uh, some good news, bad news, some neutral news. I don't know. It's, it's a little all over the place with this roster. But let me uh, run through these four games real quick uh, because it's four games and the Cubs lost three of them. I will keep it brief, but just to uh, remind you guys of all the goings-on from this weekend. On Thursday, it was a 7-2 to Giants win. Zach Davies taking his third loss of the year, four and a third on 93 pitches, eight hits, four earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. So uh, we will talk about the rotation kind of on the whole but uh, you know the story from Zach and Jake in this series just not good enough. Like they're they're just not giving the team. Enough for uh, what they need from them. That's that's pretty much the uh, simple truth there. The Cubs got their two runs in this one on a Jock Peterson home run at the time in the third inning there on Thursday. That gave the Cubs a two to one lead. He sent that into McCovey Cove, and you know it looked like the Cubs were gonna start this series off on a good note, but it slipped away from them pretty quickly. Uh, the fourth, the fifth, and the seventh. The Giants getting those runs. Seven Seven to two again the final. On Friday it was an eight to five Giants win. This one was Jake Arietta. He goes just two innings, six hits, six earned runs, two walks, and just one strikeout. Just a, a putrid line from Jake Arietta taking his sixth loss of the year. His ERA now sitting at 5.26. After the game he said that he had thrown up before heading out there. Um, I don't know if that makes you guys feel better or worse about the outing that he had. I'll, I'll leave that to you, but we will talk about that again uh, from him and Davies to start these first two games uh, and only give you a total of six and a third is, you know, frankly, like just not good enough. It, it's just not going to cut it. Um, perhaps, you know, giving the, the the coaching staff a little bit to think about here with uh, how to utilize these guys. Uh, but the Cubs did strike first in this game on Chris Bryant's 13. 13- Home run of the year that made it two to nothing. Uh, But Jake does give up six in that bottom of the second inning. So that kind of. Made things a little difficult on the offense. Jock Peterson hitting another home run. His six got the Cubs to within two in the fourth inning. The Giants would add a couple more in the bottom portion of their own fourth inning. Javi would cut it to eight to five in the fifth, and that would be the scoring for the evening. So again, just not great uh, from Arrieta and, you know, kind of put it a little bit out of reach for the offense there. On Saturday, it was a four to three Giants win. Cole Stewart getting another spot start in this one, three and two thirds, seven hits, three earned, two walks, and five strikeouts. Gave up a home run there. Brendan will uh, assuredly have more to tell us about Cole Stewart. Uh, but all in all, you know, for a guy coming up and, and making a couple spot starts, this you know really wasn't the worst outing. Um, and you know, comparatively to Arietta and Davies, I don't think you're you're really on Cole Stewart for not going deeper into the game. Three and two thirds on 79 pitches for a guy filling in. This this was a totally fine. Uh, opening to the game, if you will. The Cubs getting their three runs in this one on a Patrick Wisdom home run, his fifth of the year. He was not done on the weekend. Uh, Patrick Wisdom, the hottest player in the world. Just ask Kyle Hendricks. Uh, That made it two to nothing. The Giants would go up four to two in the bottom of the fifth on a Brandon Crawford double. Anthony Rizzo would get the Cubs two within one, reaching on a fielder's choice in the top of the ninth. But that would be it. For the rally. So four to three, again, the final. And then in the finale on Sunday, the Cubs picking up their lone win of the series behind a solid start from Kyle Hendricks, picking up his seventh win of the year. Six and a third, seven hits, three earned. Three walks and five strikeouts. He does give up a long ball. We know that's kind of been uh, one of the areas he struggled in in 2021. 101 pitches for Kyle Hendricks. Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell shut the door behind him. Two hits allowed between the three of them. No walks, no runs, and two strikeouts. Those two strikeouts coming from Craig Kimbrell, who gets his 14th save of the year. The Cubs getting their runs in this one on two Patrick Wisdom home runs, his sixth and his seventh. The seventh tied the game in the top of the fourth, that made it three to three. And Javi Baez reached on a fielder's choice that scored Kyle Hendricks, who had doubled in the inning, and that made it four to three. And the Cubs win. So all of you DH lovers that run scoring because Kyle Hendricks hit. So uh, I will leave you to reconcile with that. But that was all that she wrote, Brendan. Again, you know, we, we kind of talked about it. Uh, would have lo- You would have felt great about a split and a lot going on here. But heading out to the West Coast with with this roster and getting guys back, losing some guys and, and all the shuffling, it, it it it's okay. This was a, an okay weekend. Would have liked it to have gone better, but the the, the team will live to fight another day. Yeah. Well, you
0: want weekend. to see Jake and you want to see Zach Davies go, go deeper, right? Like that's the concern with the bullpen is they can go and piggyback off you with no problem. And they did that once again. I know Keegan Thompson gave up a few bombs there, but his stuff still looked good. The concern is as the year progresses, how difficult will it be for the bullpen to continue to accumulate so many innings for these for these young guys? Now, in a playoff scenario or later on in August, September, if they're well rested and healthy, I have the utmost confidence. I, I love that the bullpen can go multiple innings. That is a huge strength, if not the biggest strength of the team. But at some point, you got to have Jake go more than four or five innings you got to have Zach Davies go more than four to five innings and Davies was making progress I felt like over the last three to four weeks but it's confusing for me because in one sense you have Davies against the Giants whiffing 11 guys with his changeup. that's a lot of whiffs with one pitch and he's throwing that pitch over half the time yeah but in certain situations and at bats for some reason, the command escapes him, and he leaks out a fastball. Holy, got a change up too, and it ends his outing, and it shortens his outing, and it gives Ross more reason to have a shorter hook with Zach Davies. Now, I think overall, the larger sum, it does look encouraging, but he's not—he's not there yet. Can he get there? I—I I hope so. I—I I think he can. I think he's made progress to get to that point, but it has to happen sooner rather than later, especially when you consider, too, and we've talked about this now for a few episodes, what is Adbert-Alzelay's actual inning limit? What is his game limit? Because if there is a limit there, then it is huge and imperative for Davies to go more than five innings and for Jake to go more than five innings the
1: the rotation's a good place to start you know we know that uh some of it is fluid obviously we're waiting for Trevor Williams to get back we've been getting a look at Cole Stewart we saw Keegan Thompson open a game there so you know we've gotten some looks at at some different guys um but yeah, you know, we, we talked about length, especially in the beginning of the year when Kyle Hendricks was still ramping up. And you know, now he's pretty regularly giving you six, seven plus inning starts. So you're fine there. Adbert's doing his thing. You're, you're very confident in what he was able to do. So it's it's not as much of a concern as it was at the beginning of the year when those two weren't necessarily kind of firing the way that they are now. Um, but it, you know you you look at Jake's last uh two outings, I think uh two innings and then three and a third uh so you know obviously that is three and two thirds uh those are the last two outings for him and Zach Davies has not gotten uh, a start over five and a third innings since May 7th against the Pirates now, A lot of those outings, he's not throwing too many pitches, but I don't really recall many games where I've thought David Ross was pulling him too early, right? Like typically when Ross has been pulling him, it's because the lineup is turning over again and they hit him hard the last time or they, you know, started a rally the last time. Like I feel like I've agreed with David Ross taking Davies out or just not trusting him to go back out there and and navigate the top or the middle of the lineup again. Um, So Davies isn't giving up a ton of runs. He does give up four in four and a third in this start against San Francisco. But, you know, prior to that, even in the starts I'm mentioning, you know, a lot of five inning starts, one run, three runs, you know, no runs, one run. So it's it's not that he's getting destroyed, but it's just a lot of like, you know, sort of like mediocre short-ish starts, right? And that's okay if you have a deeper rotation. And that's just not where the Cubs are at right now. And so you just need more from Davies. And, you know, it, it is a weird sort of situation because, like you said, Brennan, you do see it, right? You do see what has made him successful, especially during his time with the Brewers. Like, he threw some really nice change-ups in that game uh, on Thursday night. Like, it, it looked like it might be a solid start for him with the way he was able to get whiffs and locate that changeup at the bottom of the zone. But it just... It just didn't turn out that way it just it didn't last and you know eight hits giving up four runs so that's with davies I, you know he just sort of is what he is right like he's a, he needs that command to be good he's pitching to contact he doesn't have the high velocity so it's if the command isn't there it, you know you're going to get kind of scattered results like these but you, you really need to get to a point where you feel more comfortable or at least david ross feels more comfortable having him go deeper into games so he can give you quality starts and and just not, you know, asking the bullpen to pitch three, four innings every time you go out there just is not a really great thing to have. Um, And then with Jake, you know, you're more of the Jake Arrieta expert than I am. um, But the one thing I I do want to mention now, you know, look, I want to be very careful when I say this because Jake is uh, one of the, you know, an extremely hardworking person um, he he puts in the work. He's a, a, a very uh, you know intelligent pitcher with how he goes about everything he's doing and mechanics and things like that. And so I, I don't I don't want to say this to suggest that he's making excuses or that uh, you know these things aren't true, right? Because people get sick. Like I believe him that he said he was throwing up, but this is a couple starts now where we've heard stuff like this right in and i think the start prior it was that he you know he had a cut on one of his fingers or something like that and so he wasn't able to get the the grip or the command on one of his pitches and, and things like that again he's human these things happen I, and i'm not at all suggesting that you know jake is just making stuff up because he he didn't have good starts but what does that do for us, Brendan right? It's like if you're throwing up and you're gonna give us a two inning you know disaster of a start, could you just not go out there like did David Ross know that he was not feeling well and let him pitch anyway because it just doesn't really help the team, right So I, I again I, I don't want to like suggest that Jake is just making excuses or things like that. But it, it, it's just like, I, I don't I don't really care how we're getting here, right? Like, we just can't have two or three inning starts where you're putting the offense in a big hole and the Cubs are going on to lose the game. You know, like, I, I, I believe that he was sick, but I don't really want to hear that after the game. Like, I would rather somebody else have started the game if you don't feel well. Like, hearing that, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, is our, re- is our reaction, Brendan, supposed to be, oh, he was sick. Oh, yeah. you know, so that's cool. Forget it then. You know what I mean? Forget it. Who cares that they lost it? You know, it's like, I I, I hope I'm articulating that well. Cause like, I, this isn't like a let's throw Jake Ariana under, under the bus, but it's just like, dude, I don't like that doesn't do anything for the team or, or the fans or everybody, you know, involved. And this is a couple starts now. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's just not great. But it, it all goes back to length, man. Like the each, each pitcher is different. They each have their, their different things that they're battling and stuff like that. But, you know, to get only, you know, I think it was like six innings between these two guys. You, you're you're on a long road trip on the West Coast with no off days. You're playing two really competitive teams and you're just, they, I mean, talk about taxing the bullpen, man. And that was already knowing that you were having Cole Stewart make a spot start. And, you know, you're not going to ask Cole, you're not going to expect Cole Stewart to be the person providing the length in this series. So You really needed one of those guys to step up uh, for this team and, and they just weren't able to do it. So, I don't, you know, I don't really know how you, uh, how you would evaluate where the rotation is at right now, because, you know, they bring up Corey Abbott, who was working out of the bullpen, we've seen Keegan Thompson a little bit, Justin Steele working his way back, Um, you know, so I don't know how they want to go about this, if they want to mix some of those guys in, maybe give Jake a breather one turn in the rotation, I don't know, but, you, you have to start getting more consistency out of this rotation. You know, like you're just, you're, you're not going to be able to navigate through this whole season dealing with these same issues repetitively because we've been talking about some of this stuff basically since yeah. the season started, Brendan. And these are
0: valid concerns. Like I, I see it on Twitter all the time with the starting rotation being like the weak link. And at this point, it it is. When when you see Jake Arietta or Zach Davies not being able to go the distance, that is a concern. Can they go the distance in the future? Yeah, I think they can, but what we're seeing from Jake Arietta, it's not inspiring confidence. And it's beyond just one start in San Francisco in which he was throwing up. Because a lot of the same things we saw in San Fran, even with a Jake Arrieta that was ill, has persisted since like the end of April. And when the Cubs signed Arrieta, I thought, okay, you're getting back Jake, he already has some unique features, he has that release point, he has that slider, that sinker, that could play off one another. All you need to do is make a few tweaks. But I don't see the changes being made. I see a lot of the same trends that we saw in Philly persisting. And one of the trends was Jake's release point, for some reason, is becoming more center. So it's becoming less unique hitters are able to pick this up maybe because they see similar release points and so I don't understand that like when he went away from the Cubs to Philly he progressively came away from the third base side and at least at this point you're seeing the same thing with the Cubs and he's continuing to go away from the third base side I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I don't like that because I thought maybe that was one reason why he was not successful. And the other changes I wish he made are not happening. So he's, he's throwing almost all of his pitches down in the zone. And when he's missing, which is a huge portion of the time is over center heart of the plate. So one pitcher that baseball's Avant compares Arietta to is Zach Eflin. And they compare him based on, uh, Pitching, movement, release point, sequencing, everything. So the, that's the top comparison for Jake Arrieta. Eflin on the year has been one of the better pitchers in the league. He has a K per nine of nine. He has a walk per nine of almost one. His ERA is almost under three. So what's the difference beyond just command, which clearly Eflin has, but what's the difference between the two? If their is not that much different and their movements not that much different, then why are they so why are they so different when it comes to run prevention? Eflin works off the top of the zone with a four seamer. It's not his primary pitch, but I'll show it once every 10 pitches. He goes up in the zone. Arrieta has no pitch that's up in the zone, and so everything is just down, down, down. And one of the hopes when he came over and he saw Tommy Hattieby talk about it was to get Jake right in the bottom of the zone so that he can elevate. And now that, that's just a paraphrase from what Hattieby said that hasn't happened. There has been zero intent to go up in the zone. I don't know if that's really the issue with, with Jake Arietta here, but you don't see any changes that could inspire confidence. The sequencing is exactly the same. Their release points getting more center, and not much has changed in four to five years, beyond getting worse and getting more center. So something has to change, right? You signed Jake for six and a half million dollars. You signed him to be at least, you know, a five plus inning guy. At this point, with this type of command issues, with this type of, I don't want to say deteriorating stuff, but I would say suboptimal usage of that stuff. I don't know if you can expect that now it's in him like jake urieta has the stuff he can still survive i just don't see how he's going to do that if something does not dramatically change and the hope is that at some point there is like an epiphany with jake and this is an outsider looking in maybe they are still working with them maybe they're trying to do all this who knows right but for jake to be successful I don't think it's going to happen if this continues. He has to change his sequencing, has to change the locations in which he throws. Something has to change, Corey.
1: May 30th against the Reds, Arietta goes three and two-thirds, uh, six hits, five runs. Only two of them were earned, but he does give up a home run, and he walked four in that game while only striking out three. So that was the start before this giant start. So that makes two starts in a row uh, where he's given up at least one home run and he's walked more guys than he struck out in a grand total of five and two thirds innings over two games. It, it you know it's just not going to cut it, right? And it, it's just in, in in contrast to where he was at the beginning of the year. It was a lot of five or six inning starts, keeping the team in the game. He wasn't those those lines weren't great, right? They they were not you know, uh, great outings overall. But, you know, you can live with five, six innings, one, two, three runs, right? Like, you know, the 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 team can live with that for where your expectations are for Arietta. But these last couple starts just not great. The you know, these these issues popping up that are, you know, I guess to to blame or whatever. It you know, it's just going the wrong direction. So they're gonna they're gonna have to think about how they want to deal with the rotation here and and proceed, especially with so many of the guys that we've talked about a lot, you know, uh, coming up and and getting opportunities or you know being in the bullpen but still being stretched out. I don't know what they want to do, but it, but it it brings me to kind of a larger um, sort of topic of discussion that I think can carry us into talking a little bit about the offense uh, and the position players, which is this is a different team, Brendan, than we have had in the past, right? In 2016 or 2017, 2018, when those teams are winning, you know, at least 92 games, 95 in 2018, 103 in 2016, right? Like, you can bury some guys in the rotation or the bullpen or the lineup because they bring you a particular skill and everybody else around them is performing at such a high level that it's fine right the the 2021 cubs have to win on the margins so that's why we end up talking about some of the things that we do as much as we do right this team has to get a lot of these decisions right to be as successful as they want to be and that goes to everything you know who's in the rotation where guys are in the bullpen who's getting called up who's getting sent down if they have to dfa somebody who is it versus who is it not um you know, who's getting opportunities at certain positions, who is not, are we pinch hitting for this guy in certain spots, are we platooning this guy, like in other years, right, you can get away with certain things. They they just don't have that luxury now, and of course it's made a lot harder, right? And I you know we would certainly be remiss to not reiterate that a lot of guys have been hurt. Some of these decisions have not been easy for David Ross and even for Jed Hoyer because you're working with what you have, and when you have so many guys missing time. You're trying to piece it together, right? So you give them a little leeway with stuff like that. But I think it takes us into the offense. Um, it, relating that sort of thought to the pitching, it, it just is a question of, you know, how long can you let Zach Davies, for example, give you four-inning kind of mess starts, right? That, again, David Ross is not confident in letting him continue most of the time like in other years when the rotation you know had multiple Cy Young candidates you think of 2016 when John Lester and Kyle Hendricks were both in the top 3 for the Cy Young Jake Arrieta had just come off of winning a Cy Young like you can have somebody at the back of the rotation in 2016 they didn't i mean that rotation you know was sort of uh, historic in in several ways but you can put somebody at the back there and be like, "It is what it is, right? We just need another, you know, human pitcher to be throwing innings, right? These other guys at the front are going to take care of most of this." That's just not the case right now. Like, you need to make decisions about this, but but I I think it takes us to the offense, and and there's you know a, a few guys where there when. Marisnik comes back if, you know, they can get Duffy back soon enough when Nico is able to come back, you know, which which is still, you know, probably a little bit of a ways away. If David Bodie is able to come back, which is probably even a further ways away, they need to get these decisions right. And David Ross is going to have to start being a little more Um, I think, aggressive in the way that he is managing some of these things. And there's a couple names, at least for me, Brendan, that are going to come to mind, right? Um, The first of which we talked about a bunch is Eric Sogard. Eric Sogard stinks. He is now below replacement level. He has a negative wins above replacement. He rates as a negative defender, base runner, and hitter.
0: He doesn't do anything well Why he just is he isn't good team?
1: so now i i do i i want to i want to say like the reason that they like him i believe <laughs> is his contact rate oh, he's yeah. striking yeah. out at a higher rate than he has in most of his career so that's not good right but that is the one thing that he does right you and I, and I think a lot of people, don't care that he makes contact at a high rate because it's often really bad contact and weak contact. And I, for the life of me, I'm not sure what people uh, like about someone who, like, just contact in a vacuum, right? It's like, congratulations, like, that's not really that great. Um, but The reality is, he has a 6.10 OPS. He's hitting 245, and like I said, he's literally below replacement level by definition. The Cubs can just go find someone to be better than him. They
0: already have someone on the on the roster,
1: Corey. They could go pick somebody out of the minor leagues, and that would also be the case. Like that's that's the so. Um, again, we, sometimes we do rail on some guys a lot, but the reason we are going to bring this up again is because he started a few games in this series. He started games in that Padre series. He's starting a lot and he's been terrible. So, okay. If, if he's the last guy on the bench, he gets some situational, you know, driver runner in from third with one out. Uh, you know, opportunities uh, you know of a handful of times a week. That's a different discussion. That's not the role that he's been playing. And again, people are hurt. the Cubs, not a lot of the you know Patrick wisdom doesn't play second base, right? So they're limited in in who's available. but Sogard shouldn't be the option. They could bring anybody else up. they could find somebody on the free agent heap. That's what ne- below replacement level means. Uh, so the the idea that, well, he's the only second baseman, well, he shouldn't be. Get a different second baseman. It literally doesn't matter who it is. They're likely to be better than someone who is below replacement level. You can, get this, replace him, right? So that's one. Um, but I, I, I don't want this to be just a Sogard thing because it's not, right? His numbers, as I've said before, are not the worst on the team. Uh, right now, in today's lineup on Sunday, the worst hitter in the lineup was Jason Hayward, and I think we have to get back to talking about this, Brendan. And he just came back from injury. He did hit a home run on his rehab stint, so you know it, it's been two games. Like I, you don't want to get like crazy with this, but this isn't about a you know, screw this guy or screw that guy. I'm done with this guy. That's not really what it's no, about. Screw what it's about, so hard, man. well, like, yes, but. Yeah. Yeah. What I what I mean though is is the real key of what I'm trying to say is David Ross needs to figure some of this stuff out and be a little harsher with some of these guys. Like why is Jason Hayward hitting fifth in today's lineup? He is hitting yeah. 172 with a 561 OPS. He has rated significantly On the downward trend in terms of his defense, and I have talked to many, many people who watch these games a lot, have been watching Jason Hayward for years, and routinely are telling me, or agreeing with me, or pointing out to me, hey, I think four years ago Jason Hayward would have caught that ball, don't you think? Well, the numbers and so even just on the eye test, it does feel that way, doesn't it, Brendan?
0: Well, the numbers back it up. So right right now, his outs above average is in this thirty-fifth percentile. So sixty-five percent of right fielders are making more plays than Jason Hayward, which is
1: completely you know, uh, unlike what we've seen in past yeah. years, right? Jason Hayward in years past oh, is like literally the best right fielder in baseball or at least in the top two, right? I think it was, who is it, NCRT that sometimes is like, and maybe I'm getting that wrong, but that, you know, he's either at the top or right near the top and it just isn't happening right now. So I don't know if that was related to his injury. Again, he's only been back for a couple games. So, you know, you can give it some time, but the point is, this team has to win on the margins. We we don't really have time for Ow the waiting around. We've seen Jason Hayward make a ton of improvements. We've seen in years where his exit velocity was good, he was going the other way, and, you know, sometimes the numbers caught up, right? And, you know, like we've seen with other guys, he deserved a little bit better, and the luck would get there, and the numbers were pretty good in some of those seasons. Certainly good enough to go along with the defense and his great base running. But, in, in, in a year like this, you you just can't start a guy with a 560 OPS in the five hole very often, right? It, it all just sort of gets to a point where for some of these guys, they have to perform and they have to perform now. Or you have to consider, in my opinion, right, giving other people the opportunity. When Jake Marisnik comes back, Jake Marisnik was performing markedly better, than Jason Hayward and and even someone like Ian Happ, right, whose position Mariznick is you know plays more often uh, in center field, like you have to. I think if you're Ross, be kind of aggressive with this stuff because this just isn't a, a deep. As deep of a team as we've seen in years past, you can't just bury some of these guys at the bottom of the lineup and say, oh, well, he's giving us great defense. Or, oh, you know, and again, I'm not saying this, but I think this is what Ross would say. Like with Sogard, oh, he makes contact. We like the at bats he puts together. It's like, dude, th- this team isn't deep enough. But he's
0: on the roster, Corey. Like, well, yes, yeah. so this is also a Jed thing.
1: It, it's not necessarily a, a David Ross thing solely, but I I don't know, Brendan. you think Jed Hoyer wants Sogard starting like every day? I, I don't I don't get that impression. But my, again, my point is some of this isn't like a tomorrow decision, right? Again, to repeat myself for the third time. Jason Hayward just got back, right? So you don't you don't want to be like too quick to like you know be Crazy with things, Mm. but you have when as guys get back and and as you have someone you know like Alcantara. Like where is Alcantara in these last? He's on the bench. That's where he's. Yeah, it it, like he's 24. He's hitting triples. He's hitting doubles. He's got speed. He's got great defense. Why are we not getting a look at him?
0: Because we like. Why are we
1: starting guys below the Mendoza line? It, It just it does not make any sense. And again. This team has to be aggressive with stuff like that. They have to win those little matchups, Brendan, every single day. They just can't afford this, you know? Especially now, you know, we don't know what the deal with Baez is going to be, even if he only misses a couple games. You have to get these guys in the spots to succeed. You have to be aggressive you can't wait around for some of these guys to turn it on or turn it around or get a hot streak or whatever. Like I think you have to like start being aggressive with this and say you're not hitting. You're not getting it done. It's June. We're tied for first place. This division is exactly as competitive as we thought it was going to be. We don't have time to wait around for this.
0: Yeah. I don't know I don't know about Hayward man. I mean, when it, when it comes to Sogard, th- th- this is unacceptable. Like he's the worst second baseman in the National League and it's not even close. So by war, by defense, by offense, like Eric Sogard, Corey might be the worst player I've ever seen in a Cubs uniform. And he's 120 plate appearances. Yeah. Okay? Like sure you make 90 percent contact that is great Corey he does not have more than one single to the right fielder on a line drive the entire year this guy sucks dude and like when we talk about okay yeah he's starting the front office went out there and and got him and he's still on the team so this is not exclusively a David Ross issue at this point this is a complete failure to keep this guy on the team So I listen to replace him if Javi goes down I, I I get it might be a little bit difficult but it's not difficult because he's replacement level and he's been replacement level since 2019. Yeah. He's accumulated negative 0.4 war in his last 250 plate appearances over the last almost 3 years. So I don't want to hear it. Like I you will not find anyone else on this planet who can convince me that Eric Sargard deserves a roster spot. For Hayward, the, uh, the issues with Hayward are a little concerning, and they're different than what we've seen in years past. Hayward this year is getting thrown way more sliders. He's getting thrown 21% sliders. Now, in years past, almost on a year basis, he only saw around 14% sliders. So We're talking about a 50% uptick in sliders relative to the years past. And on the year, he's been the worst against sliders. His WSL, so you can kind of interpret that as like your weighted runs against sliders, negative 4.5, okay? So that's just not going to cut it. So clearly, the Scott Report has been to Hayward, throw more sliders, he's going to miss them, he's not going to hit them, and that's also being shown by his whiff rate. So right now, his whiff rate is worse than league average. For for someone who doesn't have that much power, you can't do that. You got to make more contact. You got to make better contact. And his chase rate is at an all time high as a cub right now. It's at thirty, almost thirty four percent. So it's not good, man. And I get the injuries and maybe the logic with Ross and Hayward is all right. He's looking good in you know Iowa. He looks healthy. Let's get him going. The fist spot. Maybe that's the logic. But to your point, I don't think you can be doing that at this point. Right. And. Once Jake Marisnick does come back, you know, it's going to be hard to take wisdom out of the lineup and to bank on wisdom for the entire year. I don't know if you can do that, but you can't just remove a guy who has seven home runs. yeah, you, last, like, you have to weeks. ride the hot
1: hand. you do. as long as you can. I mean, you it's do. especially like, you know, the dude is just hitting absolute pumps in yeah. so I mean, he's destroying the ball. So, right. For as long as you can get that type of production, I mean, obviously he doesn't need to be hitting two home runs a game, but the dude's dropping bombs and you, you, you get out of the way when somebody's doing that. If things regress, whatever, fine. But you you gotta ride that uh, while you can. You know, we talked about some of this stuff. You know, like I think Wisdom is one of those guys who does have options. Like you you don't take a guy who's this hot out of the lineup just because of roster flexibility. Like that that's sort of again like what I'm talking about, right? Like if if the choice is you have to DFA. Uh, Eric Sogard or use one of Wisdom's options. Like, you're in first place. You DFA the guy that sucks and ride the hot hand and the guy who's literally winning baseball games for you right now. It's a no-brainer. But, uh, you know, are we all confident that that's what's going to happen? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. You know? Yeah, I don't think we are.
0: Well, that's... That's the tricky situation with wisdom, right? Like you see him, he's hitting seven homers. The whiff rate though is still in like the bottom five percent of the league. Once the league does adjust to him, then what does it look like? And it's not—it's not to like bag on him. Like I—I love what he's doing. Like what—what a story! And you have to play him until the league adjusts back. I just think at some point the league is so good they—they're going to adjust as they did with Jason Hayward. So when Jake Marisnick does come back. Also, what do you do with Ian Happ? I mean, he's making some errors in center field that you know are because of his recent collision with Nico. You saw yeah. that one fly ball that just dropped on Sunday. But he's still, even at his best, not the most competent center fielder. Jake Marisnick is one of the best defenders in the league. So if he plays center... And with Jock, who's looking good, you know, a little bit of a dry spell lately, but still looking good overall in the larger sample, what 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 do you do? You put yeah. Chris Bryant in right field, you start Jake Marisnik in center, and you have Jock in left. So what do you do with Hayward, and what do you do with Happ? Are they on the bench now? And if that's the case, can that allow them to adapt in 2021? It's a very difficult situation, too. And one other note with Marisnyk, He's hitting right-handed pitchers this year. So he's not like your exclusive lefty platoon at this point. Granted, it's a 35 plate appearance sample, right. but he has a weighted on base average of 411 against righties. So has he made changes? I don't know. The numbers are not going to tell you that because of the small sample size. But what if he has made changes and we can't see them? Is Jake Marisnick now reaching the offensive potential we've seen in years past? His contact rate is almost... Similar to Jason Hayward's contact rate, right? So has he made a change? Do we need to see more in order to understand if that change is real? It's difficult, Corey. But at this like in this stage of the year, you see Milwaukee with with Peralta and and Burns and Witterroth, it's like, man, like that Milwaukee team is better than we thought. And to get through June and July, you may have to make some really uncomfortable decisions.
1: Yeah. I think that's that's a good way to like sum up kind of what I was getting at. It's it's going to be some uncomfortable positions, but I think you have to make them. Yeah, you you can't just sort of wait around on some of this stuff. For me, like if we're talking the outfield, the odd man out in terms of you know a certain level of playing time, it's got to be Hayward for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, again, like that's not even necessarily to say that. I, I don't think some of the strides that he's made on offense in the last few years, where he has rated as an above average hitter, even if only. But it's di- you know, it's by different this year, right? Like the league has yeah, yeah, clearly yeah. changed against Hayward. So and you-, you know it's 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 just not to say that you know that's all like meaningless or whatever. But it, it's also you know you're you're almost near the end of that contract. He's older and you know Ian Happ was i think your best hitter in the month of may at a 971 OPS he had 292 with a 387 on base percentage a 585 slugging percentage in uh you know 65 at bats in the month of may now he struggled in april and he's had a bad 18 at bats to start the month of june but he's 26 right i so if if we're figuring out who's getting playing time like i don't want to take it from Ian Happ to give it to Jason Hayward right? If Jason Hayward's not bringing it with the glove, right, you have to be pretty, you know, like, realistic about where he is in his career. And as we've talked about a lot for the 2021 Cubs, keeping our eye to the future, right? Like, Jason Hayward's not really a part of that. And that's just the reality. You know, this it's, it's no disrespect to Jason, who's been a part of some of the best Cubs teams of our lives, right? But He's not a part of this future. When we're talking about Ian Happ and uh, Albert Alzolay and Brendan Davis coming up, and Miguel Amaya and guys like that, Jason Hayward's not going to be a part of those teams, right? Uh, so you, at some point, you have to get to, and you know, and I think this is true of the rotation as well. When you, you know you're talking about guys like Arietta and potentially Zach Davies, like at a certain point, if they're not delivering for you now and you have some of these other guys who are even in limited opportunities do you defer to giving those guys more of a chance to start you know building that future for you because they're in those plans and some of these other guys are not it's it's a weird season like that's one of the unique things about this 2021 season is that it's it's such this hybrid of now of course i mean you're tied for first place winning now and trying to win this division for the second straight year, and make the playoffs, and and get back to doing that, and see what you can do with this group while some of the contract stuff is, is uncertain, but you're also seeing a ton of glimpses of the future on this roster on a daily basis, and it becomes a very tricky balance of winning now, future, And and how you want to be dealing with that in in on a daily basis. But again, I think the the key for me is just that I I want to see again. I know people are hurt, and if if Javi's out, it makes things even harder. Like this is a tricky situation for Ross and the front office. You've got all these guys with different option situations. You'd have to DFA some guys. They'd have to pass through waivers if you wanted. So it's not easy, right? I don't want to make it seem that way. Like, you know, we're not playing a video game here, right, where there's no consequences or human elements or anything like that. But, like, you're trying to avoid the sweep going to San Diego today. You've got Hayward in the five hole. You've got Sogard starting. You had Wilson getting a day off, so P.J. Higgins is in there. No. No. Brendan, you know what I mean? Like, I know, you know, like, it, it just isn't, it, it's not aggressive enough for me. I need Ross to have, but he's I, I'm, shown I'm,
0: aggression, Corey. Yes. Like.
1: No, I, th- this isn't like a blanket statement on the yeah. whole year, but it's just like, bro, you are in first place. Your team is hurt. There, you, you, you have to be winning on these margins. I keep saying that, like, you, some of these decisions just don't reflect. Uh, like the aggressiveness that I, I, kind I think of so. Mean. I think
0: Ross thinks he's being aggressive, though. That's the weird part about it. And the, the the reason I say that is because, like, I look at how he deployed Hap and Jock Peterson, and he did put Hap lower in the order once, like things started to get bad. And with Jock, right away, once he started doing well. You're batting leadoff. And he was a leadoff yeah. guy. And yeah. Nico also got more playing time when he was going up. So he has been aggressive. And if you look at how he's used the bullpen and the short hooks with Arietta and Zach Davies and even like Kyle at times, it does signal aggression. I think that when Hayward came back, he, he he thought he was being aggressive by putting him up in the fifth spot. Maybe he thought, okay, you know, he's looking good, he's healthy based on last year. I'm putting him back up in the fifth spot. That that's probably a mistake. That's a miscalculation. With Sogard, I don't understand that whatsoever. So I'm not gonna say anything about that. But with Ross, I think overall he has been aggressive. I just think the recent moves are just miscalculations.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I you know, maybe aggressiveness or whatever, I'm not I'm not sure the word to describe it, but I I just, again, like, it it just sort of comes around to, like, at some point here as the season draws on, you know, especially, like, as we talked about, like, you know, a lot of the reports, there was reports from, I think, uh, J.P. Morosi and, um, you know, some of Jeff Passan and, and some of these other reporters that, I think, quote, the ship has sailed on the Cubs selling at the deadline. That's not my quote. I think that was from a Jeff Passant tweet, like a scout or an executive said that, right? If anything, they might be buying at the deadline. And we've heard that from Jed, that, you know, now that the timeline on getting 100% of fans back at Wrigley Field, which will be happening uh, this coming weekend against the Cardinals, you know, the money's coming back and everything. And, you know, again, like the whole, you know, billionaires crying poor thing, like that's a separate discussion we've gotten into but it it seems clear, at least based on their language, that things have changed. The money's coming back and it can be going back into the team, right? So hopefully that is what we see and hopefully that kind of dark looming cloud that we've been talking about for a while of the trade deadline isn't really so dark anymore and maybe that's not how it's going to work. But at the same time, we don't know that and Jed can still evaluate where the team is at and decide, do I want to buy? Do I want to sell some of these prospects that we've made changes with and advancements with to improve the lineup, to help with some of these injuries, to improve the rotation depth, things like that? Or are some of these guys not performing and do I not really think that this team is a threat, right, in the way that I should put significant resources, now that I might have them again, into it? And so, my point is, is that you just don't want to be too patient with some of these things. You know, you're in a tight division, like a bad week, a bad month can really set you back when there's three or four teams vying for that top spot. So with some of these guys, they got to figure it out, man. Like they have to figure it out or they shouldn't be getting a significant amount of playing time.
0: Okay, so the Cubs' West Coast trip continues out in San Diego. They have their first game on Monday, a 9-10 p.m. Central start time, late for you guys there in Chicago. We have Adbear Ozolai on the mound for the Cubs. On the year, Adbear is 4-4 four four with a 3.62 ERA. He'll be facing Ryan Weathers for San Diego. Weathers on the year, 2-2, two eight two, good 2.06 ERA on Tuesday. Another late start time, a 9.10 p.m. Central start time. You have Zach Davies on the mound for the Cubs, 2-3, 4.94 ERA. He'll be facing the tough Friday, uh, Denelson LeMitt for the San Diego Padres, 1-0, a 2.5 ERA. And then on Wednesday, to finish off this quick three-game set, you have Jake Arrieta on the mound for the Cubs, looking to rebound off his start in San Fran, in which he was sick. Arietta on the year five and six, a five point two six ERA. Ugh, Corey, you uh, Darvish on the mound for the Padres. Uh, this one's going to hurt. You Darvish on the year six and one, a two point two five ERA. Again, that really, really, really hurts. Uh, so far the Padres are off to a good start they're right up there with the Giants and Dodgers the Padres stand right now at 36 and 25 the Cubs still tied with Milwaukee at a 33 and 26 record what I'm looking for this series is uh, how Ross uses that lineup so Jake Marisnyk is likely to be back we've heard Monday is a likely starting point we'll see what actually happens so what happens in the outfield? Do you have Marisnik in center? Do you move Hap around in left? We have Jock Peterson dealing with some back tightness. Do you put Chris Bryant in right field? Do you still play Jason Hayward? Does Patrick Wisdom still get more starts at third base? How does Javi look with his thumb? Are we going to see Alcantara as shortstop? If not, and Javi's fine, is he going to be playing second base over Sogard? These are the questions. You know our <laughs> answers. I, I swear to God, Corey, if Eric Sogard starts Monday night, I, I don't know if my brain can handle this anymore. Like I, I, was, I was losing my mind over the weekend. So that's what I got. Uh, you still want to stay afloat. It's going to be a tough three-game set, but stay afloat. Get back to Wrigley. You have the Cardinals coming up. Stay healthy. Get Jake back on track. Get uh, uh, Zach Davies back on track and see what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, you swept this team at Wrigley Field, so you know you can play with them. You know you can compete with them. Obviously, you're going to see Darvish this time, which you didn't last time. I'm not really looking forward to really any part of that game. Uh, Watching him pitch for another team, watching him pitch to this lineup, I just, (laughs) I don't, uh, I wouldn't say I have high hopes for that one. I I am glad that it's not um, Darvish versus Davies directly. Uh, because I think that that narrative would be a little aggressive, um, if they, you know, if they were competing directly against one another. Um, but you know, look, you, you, you've shown that you can compete with the San Diego team who, you know, remember came into that series at Wrigley Field as the number one team in the NL. So, you know, you know you can play with these teams, and you're just trying to survive this road trip, right? You you don't want to, again, go in with low expectations. Like, the the Cubs are a first-place team. You you know, you can go in expecting and hoping for them to win a series, but it's a tough team, some tough pitching matchups, uh, finishing off a seven-game road trip on the West Coast. So, just stay afloat. Try to win at least one of these games for sure, and it is what it is. I think beyond that, you know, hoping that Javi's thing is nothing major. Um, You know, if he has to sit out Monday, that's fine. Uh, of course, I, I want them to be pro, you know, protective of it and you know, uh, cautious. Uh, but just you know, hoping it's not anything longer than that or, or something serious that lingers, or you know, hopefully just a one-day thing or whatever. So keeping an eye on that. And yeah, I, I hope Mariznick is back here. We can see him getting back out there um, and and you know, sort of see a different look uh, from this lineup. But again, all things considered, right? Like it was a it was a tough series, but the Cubs. Leave the series still tied for first place. Now with a different team, uh, not the Cardinals anymore, the the annoying Brewers. But so you know, that we, it, at times, you know, especially like when the games are so late, like the, it can feel a little bit like a catastrophe is happening, right? And it it's not, right? They're still in first place. They're still all as well. We just need this team to get healthy, get through this Padres series, and uh, get back to Wrigley. Like you said, Brendan, it's going to be 100% fans for the first time in a long time there on Friday against the Cardinals. So you're going to have the Cardinals, a full Wrigley field. Um, you know, as I, I told you guys, and I'm sure you read, from other people, or if you've had the uh, opportunity to get back to Wrigley Field so far this year, even at 60%, that place was rocking, electric. Um, I I texted you a bunch, Brendan, like you gotta fly out to Chicago because this place is rocking and it's not even full. It's gonna be, it's, I mean, you know, I don't know any other word to you. It's gonna be lit, on Friday and and that whole weekend, Brendan, it it's going to be a really really great crowd, and uh, you know again, so let's get through this Padres series because that's going to be a lot of fun that weekend series. So hopefully the Cubs, uh, if they can come back to a returning 100% crowd at Wrigley Field as the first place Chicago Cubs through this Padres series. I think that's going to be a really fun weekend, so but let's let's just make that the goal. However we have to get there, however many games I have to win here to keep pace uh, there with the Brewers, like let's just do that, get back to Wrigley, and we'll go from there. So um, I think that's all we have for you. As always, thank you for joining us here on the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you guys after the Cubs and Padres wrap up their series in San Diego, and as always, thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon, and go Cubs!